They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! Welcome to Feed vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where your host, Feed the Terrible Aussie Jemine, explores the remakes, re-edits, reimaginings, homages, and unofficial follow-ups to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. This podcast contains coarse language, mature discussions, and plot spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, this is Beej of Mine, aka The Terrible Aussie, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Beat vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where I dissect every remake, re-edit, reimagining, homage, spoof, unofficial follow-up, and so much more to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead Across All Media. That's right, everyone, we're now halfway through the 55th anniversary celebration of Night of the Living Dead as part of the podcast this month and i just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone for tuning in for all the bonus episodes and as well as the official ones that has been released so far throughout october it really means a lot and i'm glad that you've all enjoyed all the episodes particularly the bonus ones in which i have so far been talking to a lot of the filmmakers behind the indie reimaginings of night of the living dead but don't worry listeners i've still got some plenty more episodes coming up throughout the rest of the month and believe me there's some really exciting stuff coming out and i can't wait for you all to listen to it however though we're back for another bonus episode for this show and i'm very excited about this one so this is another one in which i sat down and talked to another filmmaker behind one of the indie remakes of night of the living dead which i have covered on the show in previous episodes and for this episode of the show i sat down and chatted to Cotton Noble, who was the writer, director, and co-star of the 2021 indie remake of Night of the Living Dead. It was a great pleasure to sit down and talk to Connor about his film, which I did discuss on episode 17 of the show. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Connor Noble. Enjoy. G'day everyone, it's Beadly Terrible Aussie, and I am here with a very special guest, and that of course is the writer and director and star of the 2021 version of Night of the Living Dead, and that of course is Connor Noble. Hello Connor, and welcome to Bead vs. the Living Dead. Hey, uh, nice to be here. Well, I'm very glad you're on the show, and uh, and that you wanted to sit down and talk about your film with me. Yeah, you yeah, know, it'd be great. Uh, I know it hasn't really been released yet, but just to be able to preemptively kind of say kind of the what, what went on behind the scenes, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, before we get into discussing your film, Connor, uh, as somebody who has listened to my show, you must know what I'm about to say, and that, of course, is 
Connor, I have a very important question I have to ask you, and it's a question I always ask if a new guest who comes on the show. And that, of course, is, Connor, do you remember the first time you saw the original 1968 version of Night of the Living Dead? I don't remember the first time because I was way too young, but mm-hmm. I remember my initial impressions. Yep. It scared the absolute daylights out of me. <laughs> like, <so> I, watched <laughs> it, I watched it on a, it was like a three film compilation disc, essentially. Yeah. And whenever, like, because I don't like the main titles, they would do like snippets from each movie as like, you're, there's waiting for you to press play. And they would show the graveyard scene and play the music. And just that alone just sent this fear into me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but and no, actually, for the, for the longest time, like, that, it kind of inspired my taste overall in movies. Like, it made me want to become a filmmaker and everything about that. Like, I put that to George a lot is the fact that I wanted to become a filmmaker. Um, and actually, for the longest time, I could not get past the trial scene. I could not get past that. It scared me too much. Oh, yeah. That like, scene is... Absolutely terrified, but also when even just when you're young, just the sound design of them oh, screaming, yeah. it's like oh, I can't. This is this is horrible. Oh yeah, that's a... yeah. Well, that sound design in that scene, and I talked about this on my show, or probably all the way back on the very first episode. The, the way how that sound design is done in that scene, I I always kind of like in my mind how I sort of view it. It's almost like the way how the sound of Helen screaming and it's sort of drowning out, it almost feels like one of the last, it it feels like, yeah, she's dying in that moment, but it almost feels like, like as you're dying, the sound around you just becomes so echoey and you just, and it it like, I guess, yeah, I, I would say like that. It's almost like, it's almost like a death sound you could say uh <laughs> yeah exactly exactly everything yeah. becomes like an echo and of course you could hear like there's an, also an added scream with i'm assuming karen's uh yeah as well and yeah that scene is still very disturbing and even 55 so- years <laughs> later <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. but um i guess my very first question and i wanted to ask that question before but to lead into this one where did you come up with the idea of wanting to do your own take on night of the living dead like how where did the the idea originate from so like in the retrospect of things i am still uh, as much as i have done a lot of stuff i'm still very much amateur beginner type thing like i've been mm. in it for a few years but i don't know just i wanted it's a very complicated question so Essentially, I thought it's my favorite. It's my favorite film, and I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. I thought, what better for my first attempt at my first feature than something like that? Something very mo- mm. minimalistic, not a lot of locations, and on top of that, it's like being a huge fan of George and everything that he does. It's like I've been just noticed, especially I bet you've noticed this. Like with his films, there's been a lot of remakes. Oh yeah, except for Don. Don only has the one. The, all the remakes seem to leave like a bad taste to the name, especially I feel like with Day of the Dead. Mm. And just I don't know, it's like, and I feel like a lot of people around my age and a lot of, unless you're big into the horse and you don't know what the movie is. I've met a lot of people that have never seen it, doesn't even know what it is. And that's kind of what I wanted to reintroduce it. Like, not be like, oh, watch mine. It's more like, watch mine and then go see the original. It's mm. like, 
I wanted to make something that would make let want people to see the original while updating the story, being faithful to it. Yeah, well, so I guess. Kinda, uh, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Uh, pretty much what I'm just wanted to get is pretty much like the idea of wanting to do it came out of a, a place of love. Like I wanted to do it to be faithful to do something that I could be proud of. <laughs> um, but no, I, I it, was, it was out of it was out of love. That I wanted to like redo it in a way that could get people to watch the original again essentially yeah. yeah well i could definitely see that for sure because like having done this show like if you look at some of the remakes to george a romero's work particularly the day of the dead remakes and all that you can kind of tell like yes these are made by big major studios and they're obviously kind of making them on the back of the name alone to you know get audiences to come to it but i guess through the course of this show with your film and other indie filmmakers that i've talked to especially for these bonus episodes like it's very obvious to me that all you guys have a passion for the original film and you just wanted to uh, do something unique and different with your takes on george's story and it's very obviously compared to yeah like saw your the bigger budgeted counterparts when it comes to the remakes your you guys have uh got a lot more passion behind it and respect to the material yeah yeah like um i think you pointed this out in the episode when you reviewed it uh, i barely changed the script to it like i stuck mm. as close as i could well because like the best thing when i was thinking when i was writing it was um what they did good what it's hard to call it a remake. I I calling the 1991 a remake is feels weird since George wrote it. He was directly involved yeah. with that. Mm. It's so weird to call it a remake. Um, I want to call it like like a reimagining almost. Yeah. Um. And, but like what I love is that the things that you've seen a hundred times, he and you expect things to come from the left and they come from the right, so on and so forth. And that's kind of like the best way that I could do the scares in this is by changing it just ever so slightly while keeping mm. the same pace is the way I, I was trying to do. I had a point yep. for saying this. I don't know what it was, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, um, that's been the interesting thing about doing the show and covering every different iteration of Night of the Living Dead, especially from, from the independent film scene, is that, yeah, most of the films I've seen, yeah, they stuck to the structure of the original film, but that being said, every single one that I've seen you've all done something different to it. Like, even if it's just the tiniest of changes, what I find very interesting. It's very rare that I've done a film, like for the show, that actually is legit scene for scene, shot for shot, moment to moment, exactly the same as the original. And even watching your film, there have there were quite a moment, of quite a number of moments, and I said this on the episode uh when I talked about your film is you that one of the things I did appreciate were all the changes that you did make, like even the smallest ones I just found really interesting. Yeah. That's, I tried to keep pretty much from what I said while we were making it and while I was writing it, it was change what needs changed, keep what doesn't. And I Mm -hmm. think uh, something else that uh, I know George did in later films didn't mean too so much with night, but I did, see it as an opportunity especially with everything that was going on around that time all like the movements all the standings everything i did try and use it as a way to social commentate through the characters oh definitely definitely and i think also one of the things that i most 
and most enjoyed about the film was it did feel like a combination of different remakes and i like obviously the original film like a lot of the dna from that is in your film but i even noticed a lot of elements from even the 1990 remake even in this version as well particularly with your take on the character of barbara yeah yeah that that's the one thing i knew i that needed to be done i was just like really there's only so many ways you can do that type of character so like she was really close to the 1990 but i'd rather have mm -hmm. that then have Barbara be catatonic in a couch the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess uh, one of my next questions is like, how when when now that you've got the initial idea of wanting to do your own take on the story, how did the the film come together once in pre production? That was trial and error, like because it's one of those things that like so. To describe post production, I really have to mention was like during production, and that yep. was that uh, that there there was again trial and error throughout it in the sense that I didn't have a steady crew throughout the whole show. Mm. So like when we first started our first two three days of filming, I had crew, I had I had everything set, and then just kept like oh we can't make it we can't make it. It's like okay, but like I've rented locations, I have my actors coming, all this stuff. So mm. it's like having to use what I have available to me. And that resulted in filming on like three different cameras throughout <laughs> inconsistencies a lot of times. And uh, it, it really was kind of cursed in that kind of way. But it's like, I, I'm this far and I can't really stop. And it's like, it may not be perfect, but at least it'll be my first attempt. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of what plagued it throughout. And then getting into the uh, editing room, it was, it was trying to take all like the imperfections and trying to at least tweak them out a little bit. So mm -hmm. like with having a few different cameras, that's why it was like, going to be in color, but I found out by shooting in black and white that um while putting it in black and white, it kind of took out the irregularities in the in the color mm. and the camera qualities. So yeah, it was just plagued with a lot. That's why it took me about a year to get it fully edited together, just because also I didn't have a good computer as well <laughs> at the time. But it, was, it kept lagging terribly. Um, but you know, and I was, I think what the hardest part was, was trying to decide what stayed and what went. Mm. Um, and one thing that, uh, I don't remember his name, but he pointed out, maybe it was you that pointed out how like the Tom taking action to have her just drive away felt kind yeah. of like out of nowhere a little bit. Well, that was actually supposed to be followed up by a scene that got cut because I didn't like the way it was shot. Um, uh, there's a scene with them in the kitchen where she was telling him how he never takes the initiative and takes care of her, like puts her first. Mm. So that's kind of where that motivation is supposed to come from as well. <laughs> well, I was going to say, even like one of the things I find interesting about the film is what you kind of do with some of the characters. Because you also play Tom in the yeah. this version as well. So I actually found it like a really interesting choice to, instead of both at least... Tom and Judy not dying while they're trying to get the fuel from the pump into the truck. They actually decide to just drive off and leave the others. Like when I was watching the film, I was, I, you know, I was expecting, you know, the usual way how Tom and Judy always go, but I found that a really good different change that, yeah, it kind of enhanced who these characters are, but also compared to other iterations of the character of Tom, you sort of portray Tom in this version as being a little bit of an asshole as well. Yeah. 
see, we kept joking about this throughout production as well because we, I because like we're trying to figure out what Tom was gonna be like. Because I was like, mm. I don't want to exactly what they did with the original or the '90s. I want to do something a little bit different. Mm. And the way as we're as we were uh, reading through the script, as we were filming, we kind of were thinking, we kind of came to the realization like when he first comes up from the base of it, he is kind of dickish, and then when he is more around Ben, he softens up. Is that Tom? in my version is more the type of person he becomes who he's around hmm. so like he's just trying his best to fit in so he kind of keeps swinging back and forth and at the end when he makes that decision like i said it was him trying to do the right thing even though it screwed everyone else over <laughs> <laughs> but also even like uh, how you portrayed judy as well in this version because again like judy is a character like, it doesn't surprise me at all, like, she was a character that was added in fil- during filming of the original film. Like, she basically wasn't in the original script, but then uh, George and John just added her in, like, during the course of filming. And sort of like that, I've noticed in every iteration, Judy is always kind of just, you know, she's just there more than anything else. Uh, but what I really like about your take on Judy in your film is that you give that character more to do. Like there's a, like she has her own fears and also her own worries uh, and even sort of questions her relationship with Tom. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed most about watching your film was your take on Judy in this one. Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly what I was trying to do when I was writing. I was like, how can I take this character and add more to her? Because throughout, uh, in the original, like, I'm just, I'm, I hate to this on the character. I'm just trying to point out, like, what I noticed when I was writing was in the original, yes, she doesn't really do a whole lot. Uh, mm. All she does is really worry about Tom and is the reason a lot of times that they died. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like, I think it would have happened that way anyway. But, mm. you know, it's like she added that little bit of, like, suspense about running out like she does in the original. And the remake, what I noticed in the 90s one was the, she screams a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, she is just, like, out of her mind a lot of times. I'm like, okay, how can I calm the, how can I get the in-between? And mm. that's what I was mainly just trying to do. And bring just, like, I'm a very character-driven person when I write. So that's why a lot of the characters I tried to develop into. And what about with the other characters in the story? Because you do definitely also add a lot more to the character of Ben and also to Harry and Helen as well, particularly Helen, because uh, during the course of your film, uh, she is just under the thumb of Harry who just both just yells and hits her. And also you have her character finally stand up to him in the end to the point where basically like, yeah, she basically becomes her own little action hero. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was fun film too. Uh, What's like with Ben, uh, I wanted to add a little bit more backstory in there, mm-hmm. um, like how like give him a little bit more. I don't say personality, but a little bit, just a little of that extra mm. uh, in there. And uh, you don't really know it's in a deleted scene um, that I might release at some point if it goes on DVD. Um, but there's a scene where, because going back, I wrote it and we actually filmed as much as we could within our limitations where mm-hmm. we actually filmed the whole uh, diner sequence and him getting the truck and everything. We filmed that. I mean, you can see flashbacks when he's telling the story. Yep. But it was filmed as a whole sequence and him at the diner talking to this waitress. He found out the reason he's wearing the suit and everything is because he was at a, an ex's wedding and all this stuff. Yep. And that's why he was drunk in the beginning. 
so yeah there's a lot to that and i'll just try pretty much like take the character and just kind of bloom it a little bit more because i like mm. what they did with him in the 90s when they gave him a little bit more of like his thought process how he was going never stuff like that and then mm. uh harry and helen yeah i wanted to i thought i don't really gain too much by keeping it exactly how he is so that's why uh a lot of people points out he's a lot worse in mine than he is in yes other iterations <laughs> um and it's for that reason because i'm like the worse he is when he dies and i want helen to kill him it just feels so it felt satisfying felt justified um it- that the worse he is the more satisfying it's going to be in the end mm. and yeah yeah, it's kind of also interesting with Harry, like, like even though I totally vibe with this in the original film, like, it is kind of, like, a slightly underwhelming how he dies in the original film, but in that case, like, compared to other <laughs> versions of Harry I've covered for this show, uh, he definitely seems more reasonable compared to how the other characters are. Yeah, but I, I, but I was going to say, like, yeah, that's all right. Uh, I was going to say... Um, like even then, like even if a filmmaker portrays him even more of an asshole, he still has a bit of an underwhelming death. Like his death usually kind of ends pretty much the same. But I do like that you actually have a more spectacular way for him to die and actually deserve it as well. Yeah, yeah. I tried to give him that Captain Rhodes death. That <laughs> it's like yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, like having everything, all that, the pump. Uh, Ben and Barbara trying to keep them away from the house and then her and Harry fighting and ultimately him dying. It just, it felt like it was just like this swelling. And when he finally goes, it just, it's like this explosion. It's like, that's the release. Like, mm-hmm. yes, now we can move forward. And with him being more reasonable, I tried to do that. I tried to essentially, I think, I'm not sure. You can tell me if I pulled this off or not, uh, mm-hmm. but to me, what I was trying to do when I was writing is that when he first comes out of the basement and how in the originals, he's immediately unreasonable and all this stuff, yeah. like my way the highway. I tried to pretty much, what's the word, uh, misdirect people by thinking, oh, maybe he's the nice one. Mm. Like maybe like he's not that bad. And then he gets in the basement behind closed doors is when he's really, yeah, two-faced. Yeah. <laughs> also yeah. like um, an, uh, the, the house in the mm-hmm. film which i feel i really like the look of the house and we even talked about how uh how the house is very modern compared to the ones that we've seen in the original so tell us about shooting at that location but also at the same time i do have to ask this uh was the basement shot scene shot in a different location because i kept wondering like there's no way a house like that has a basement that looks like that <laughs> yeah. uh so so actually, so the house is uh, the house the house I live in. It was just easier. Yep. We actually did have an Airbnb originally, and that's where the upstairs scenes and the basement scenes were shot. Okay. Um, but then because of delay and a dis- and the scuffle with the owner of it, uh, we just we couldn't go back and film anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I chose here. Like, let's finish it up made- through the main house. It works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, yeah. The Pretty much, I just shot what I had available to me, and I'm glad it did work. I actually wrote the script to the format of this house, but originally my parents weren't going to let me film in it and uh, and everything, but then we came to an agreement and we got it finished. So it actually made the script a little bit easier. And, but yeah, no, so that, so yes, the basement is different, but I didn't feel too bad about doing that um, because I did read that the basement in the original was actually the basement of George's offices. 
mm-hmm. and the house didn't actually have a basement in it and i'm just like okay well i mean if he can do it i mean i guess that's fine <laughs> but i try my best to have us mimic uh that the stairs could be there and without mm. pretty much yeah camera magic <laughs> also another thing that i find interesting about your film is that you kind of start off Ben and Barbara's relationship a lot earlier in this version. Because usually Barbara would be at the house for the first act of the story and then eventually Ben comes in. But you actually, as Barbara is running away from the zombies at the cemetery, she runs into Ben. And I like the fact that, yeah, you're kind of starting off their relationship a lot earlier. And and over and the next time we go back to him, that's when Ben kind of tells her, her the Big Mandina story as well. And I like that it, yeah, it kind of like, yeah, brings these characters together. It actually starts off their relationship much quicker. Yeah. I thought that was kind of the best way to do it is because like trying to show everyone's origins for the most part. Yeah. And when certain people are put together, I, I realize the only people we really don't show the origin of is Judy and Barbara, not Judy and Barbara, uh, Judy and Tom. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of, they, they really tell it. It's not really much to show. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought that was good, especially seeing like the Cooper's kind of backstory there worked. Um, and I feel like with how the film ends with Ben and Barbara starting it off early with them really kind of clicked with me. Mm-hmm. And how did uh, casting come together for the film? So that one, I went through uh, Indiana Filmmakers Network. Mm-hmm. Um, which is on Facebook. Uh, if there's any filmmakers in Indiana wanting to get started, I recommend that. They are great. They help educational with like classes and meetings where we, uh, creatives can get together. And I just posted my casting call on there and I just met a, I had so many submissions and trying to narrow it down was the hard part. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was that was just a fun experience. I love casting. And the fact that I got a uh, Jeffrey Jackson has been I absolutely loved working with him he was great um, yeah and actually uh, on just in case anyone wants to see it this is like one of the only things released for it on uh, Falling Star Cinema's YouTube we actually have like a little documentary making of thing where you actually can see from some of the actors and we did interviews with them and such <laughs> well I have to make sure to give that a, ch- a watch as well because I haven't had a ch- didn't get a chance to watch the behind the scenes documentary yet but also another thing what i think also makes it is interesting about your film is that you don't have just one you actually have two credit scenes as well yeah I went the marvel route with that one <laughs> <laughs> how did those come about uh that was honestly just when i was when i finished writing uh actually i think the uh, i might be wrong i don't remember at this point i don't think the ending with Chief McCullen, I don't think I had that in the script originally, but I was re-watching the original and I remembered the interview scene and I was like, oh, I didn't put that in with the other like news reports. And that's actually a very good scene. So that's how I kind of worked it in was through like a web hmm. journalist blog person. Uh, and I think that did get added later, but that one, I just liked the idea of it. I thought, especially with that being how Ben dies, um, that it's just it's another satisfying ending kind of like Harry oh yeah and also and, having oh sorry go ahead sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, and even though Ben's death wasn't as impactful as I hit, wanted it to be because there was actually supposed to be uh there's supposed to be kind of like a more deserted looking gas station we did what we could and there's supposed to be like three trucks of hunters along with Chief McCollum that come up mm-hmm. so it's like they were out hunting it's almost I, it's because of 
like the Black Lives Matter stuff that was happening at the time, I tried to, yeah, give them off uh, like that, eh, not a loss type of thing to them. And that's yep. why when Barbara comes after them, it feels more satisfying. And then I think, I, I don't remember if either of them were written, but I know we were talking, we're like actually showing kind of that last one in the truck. I just feel like it helped wrap it up because you do kind of wonder what happened to them after they left. And it doesn't <laughs> serve part of the main story, but it was just a little bonus to know what happened. The way I feel about it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, was once your Tom and Judy kind of drive off, I'm, I'm hoping, thinking to myself, I hope we find out what actually happens to it because we do, like, earlier in the film, Judy does get bitten by a zombie. I mean, we kind of automatically assume what's going to happen, but whether we would see that or not. And so once I actually, when I was watching the film, going through the credits and, like, seeing these two end credit scenes, I just thought, okay, like, we get to see the resolution of that. And also we get to have a satisfying scene with Barbara taking out a bunch of uh, assholes with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, that, was a, that was a fun scene to film, though. That, that really was. <laughs> well, now, you've talked about a lot of things that you either thought up or that were in the script that didn't end up being on screen. Were there any other scenes that were in the script that you that didn't end up making the film due to budgetary reasons or were there other ideas that you had, but they just didn't end up being in the script at all? Uh, not really. I, I pretty much got everything filmed that I meant to. I think the only thing that really didn't end up were those three scenes, the Judy and Tom conversation fight thing, couple argument, let's just say that. And, uh, mm-hmm. the diner and truck scene, which even, even the truck, like seeing that uh got little flashbacks mm. in his Beekman Diner speech. Um but that's about it. And I think a main reason was because like we weren't able to I, I did so try doing so much editing and we really did not have the budget to get a CGI person in there to fix it up. Mm. But no it was but we were gonna we were trying to represent that speech pretty much do a show and not tell type thing. Mm. Um but and we were gonna try and show it as accurately as it's told. Uh, but budget and just resources just didn't come together like we wanted but that was a very fun and hot day it was like in the middle of july and it was a hot and we're working in the middle of this closed down streets like oh my god <laughs> but no it was it was great and we did we barely had any extras that showed up we did what we could with who we had yeah that's about it and that's pretty much the only reason why it was cut because it didn't satisfy what i was mm. looking for but yeah, overall, we did pretty good at capturing everything we meant to. Yeah, I guess also like, because uh, I haven't brought this up yet, but what about when it came to the zombies? Because you said you didn't have that many extras. Uh, how did you approach with the zombies in the film, but also like with the makeup and the gore as well? Yes. So um, knowing immediately I wasn't going to have the money to get a makeup artist, I actually learned to do makeup myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, when I started out, it was great and then when i think it was just the stresses and time restraints of actually being in production and filming day of my my makeup kind of went downhill a little bit Mm -hmm. but we had three makeup artists our first day filming with extras we had about 30 some extras show up that was the best um yeah and it took like three hours but we got to everybody uh pretty much did base uh we bloodied them up as much as we could um but i didn't want them to be too monsterfied because um because actually when you watch the original 
they that, that's kind of the creepy part to me is they don't look like zombies they look like people that's that was yeah. the creepy part to me um I mean, like obviously they would have like wounds or something because they're dead but uh overall they look pretty simplistic and that's kind of the feel i was going for i didn't want them too disgusting looking but yeah so pretty much we did what we could um and overall you know we i think we had just enough that we pulled off what we were trying to do <laughs> and how long did that sorry yeah I was go- that's all right uh, i was gonna also ask because you said that you spent a year editing the film together how long did the actual shoot go for oh uh, we started in we started April seventeenth of twenty one, and we and it came to a close. I want to say, um, like October, late September, early October. So about from about April to September, October. That that's quite a quite a long shoot, but I can imagine it would have to have been done like on weekends and and all yeah, that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, we just shot on weekends because like no. One, that was like everyone volunteered for this. Like really no one got paid except for one actor who played Harry. Um, that's because he was coming from uh, Texas and Atlanta and stuff. Yeah. Um, Cause we had, we had another Harry, but because of uh, scheduling and stuff, we didn't work out. So we just, we got the first person that was available and had a good audition, but no. So having everyone just come out on the weekends and doing what we could when we had the availability, cause pe- uh, they were shooting other films and stuff. We just had to work with what we had um yeah uh yeah i mean like what we got it wasn't too bad we we really streamlined toward the end we really streamlined the filming and like, sort of look- like we were- i'm sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> I was gonna say, like and i actually i feel like we could have done this so much faster toward the end i realized oh i can black out windows from the outside we don't have to film only at night <laughs> 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 so that really helps streamline it toward the end when we got these big tarps and we strung them up outside the windows yeah also uh one change i did notice in the film is that you changed the character of karen to sarah what was where did wanting to name change that character come from okay well initially i wasn't going to but with all the uh pretty much i tried to save ourselves from jokes with uh how Karen has become such a cursed name in recent yep. years. <laughs> I tried, I was like, ah, I'm not sure if I want to name her that because people would probably just start making jokes out of it. Actually, I did not realize when I wrote at the time that Sarah was the name of the daughter in the 90s one. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, please don't come after me. <laughs> I swear it was an honest mistake. <laughs> but I, don't know, I just wanted to change something and Sarah seemed decent. But actually, apparently it helped Chandler because the actress who played Helen, she actually has a daughter named Sarah, so she actually was able to funnel that into her acting as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess, like, with now, in hindsight, now that you've made the film, when you look back on watching it, the final version, how, how do you feel overall about the film itself? Like, things like you're happy with a lot of things, or were there things like you wish, oh, I kind of wish I could go back and change that as well? Oh, I wish I could go back and reshoot the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> overall. But, uh, no, there's moments, you know, I'm proud of myself because, like, not everyone can say, like, I, like, they did all, an entire feature on mm. essentially less than about $3,000. Yep. Um, so that's not too bad. And the fact it came out to an, I think it's an hour and 25, 24 minutes or so. I think uh, so, like, yeah. For my first, my first feature, I was actually proud of that. And, uh, 
actually before everything was cut, it actually came out to about an hour and thirty six minutes. But that's oh, really? Got cut. It was about ten minutes or so. Yeah, so I was actually really proud of that. Uh, I'm just proud that I made it in general. I would if if someone gave me the money and said refilm it, I would happily do that. <laughs> I'll bring back <laughs> most of my cast. Um, and but no, yeah. Uh, I still would like there's some stuff within that realm I would still like to do because when I said it on this, I said something I would like to do it and night is loose because of its public domain issue hmm. by some of the other ones being uh you know copyright and everything if i could get permission i would actually love to have a shot and not do it as bad as night but i would actually love to have a shot at dawn and day hmm. literally just for the for the purpose of reintroducing them to a new audience hmm. and bringing light to how the story should be because like I was watching this one review channel and he was comparing uh, Stitch Together Pictures. Great. Uh, he does great reviews and he compares originals to the remakes and he was doing that for Dawn and really the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's not bad for being a zombie film. I mean, I agree with George on zombies should not run, but that's a completely different <laughs> issue. Um, but really the only thing they share is the mall and I love the characters within mm-hmm. the original Dawn and that's something I would actually like to have a shot at is to portray that story accurately along with day because the one they did i don't remember when it came out had been rains and rains in it as well and everything uh it just wasn't <laughs> day of the dead <laughs> what, it had nothing to do with the story and yeah, there's a lot of uh the guy i watched he also reviewed that one to the original it's like has nothing to do with the original and yeah uh speaking of running it was funny uh going back to the zombies that's actually how we started whenever we had zombie extras is how we started each thing we'd have them all gather around we had like a megaphone and we like all right here's the rules of zombies one they do not run <laughs> <laughs> they can move quickly but they don't run <laughs> <laughs> but i guess also i i'm all curious uh about this as well because you've listened to the episode that we mm-hmm. covered your film on and our yeah. reactions from myself and my two guests were very mixed, to say the least. Um, <laughs> but when you when you sort of released the trailer to your film, and also just letting people know that I've made a version of Night of the Living Dead, how has the reaction been to that? Because having talked to some filmmakers, like obviously a lot of horror fans would have felt like, oh, like you know, how dare you remake a classic yeah. and stuff like that. So, how do you? Have you had any kind of feedback about that? But also, do you have a response to that as well? In person, I have not really had, even on the comments, I have not had that kind of like, how dare you think? But it was very mixed between Mm. people. Like, so the first, I'm pulling up real quick. The first trailer I released for that, um, let's see if I can find it. Actually, it's our most viewed one. Mm. um, Has almost 7,000 views on it. Yeah. And that was a lot of, talking about the coloring sound design uh how the trailers put together is what they were what they were uh blasting it was a mixture of that and where can i watch this this looks great so that and then i re-released another one and and that one i was in black and white and that one only has about 1.3 thousand but nonetheless uh it only got good reviews so like initially i actually had a lot of good responses on it besides from how people were critiquing my Mm. style essentially yep um and you know pretty much the way the way i see it, it's my first feature mm. like i was trying my best on limited funds i was just trying to get my 
out there. I'm still just trying to get my name out there. I have a an original film I wrote. I'm trying to get made. It's I can't. I'm trying to get funds for it. It's not really going to work. So right now we're trying to work on other like fan film projects right now, trying to just get out there a little bit more. Um, but no, that's pretty much it. Is just like you know, if if you see a filmmaker hasn't really done a lot, take it a little bit easy sometimes. As out of their control on how hmm. some things have happened, but especially if it's their first, you know. But yeah, that's about it. Like I'm, I take critiques to heart, and you know, like online, it's like you wish you could tell them, to, like sit down with someone and tell them, like, like I, like I understand where you're coming from. This is my side. That's why I was happy to come on here after listening to the review, of the hmm. film. So that way, it's like I'm very much aware of this. Like I'm aware that overall, it might pick off for being one of the worst films ever made but <laughs> um <laughs> i tried that's that's mm. kind of what i'm happy about is that i actually got out there and i did it mm. well i was yeah. going to also say because you brought up uh that you're working on other projects at the moment or getting to get off the ground you did send me the trailer to a project that you're currently working on at the moment called the blood moon is that the one that you were referring to as the big main project you're currently working on. Cause I did watch the trailer when you sent it to me and I could definitely see like how much you've grown uh, since as a yeah. filmmaker, since uh, Night of Living Dead, because I guess some of the, what like in my initial review with my guests, any kind of critiques we had, I didn't really see that at all in the, in the trailer that uh, you sent me. Yeah, no, that fully comes from, so like, Blood and I actually wrote while we were in production for Night Living Dead. Um, and it's uh, the main female that you see in the trailer, the villain, I guess you could say. Um, she helped revise the script. It went from 80 some pages to 160 some pages long. It's It's gotten a huge uh, thing. And that's just pretty much what we're trying to get. We're just trying to get the money for it right now, but I'm super excited for it. I'm actually trying to launch an entire cinematic universe off of this film because mm-hmm. I have, I I have about uh, like outlines and everything about ten to fifteen projects lined up yep. with that are all connected to Blood Moon. So it's cute. Like I'm trying to, but with the critiques, like you said, like looking better, all that is comes down to my crew. I have an amazing crew. I'm working with uh, Johnny, our DP. Great. He's he's brilliant behind the camera um and he's the one who actually threw that trailer together and yeah actually all that footage came from just the only two days we we're able to film and i was super mm. happy with how those came out looking and I'm, I'm yeah right now what we're trying to work on to get our name out there hopefully get some notice of people wanting to back blood moon we're working on a uh, scream fan film right now yep which i'm gonna be releasing the concept trailer soon i'm really excited about that uh, but yeah, just finished the script the other day, the full thing, and we're about to start casting for that soon. Well, I look forward to seeing that, like the concept trailer once it's uh, put together, and also Blood Moon as well, once that also comes okay. together as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to also want to point out my favorite part about, about our version of Madeline Dead is uh, our score. I, our composer was brilliant, loved working with him. Yeah, I was going to st- st- bring up because the score to you to your version was really good. Yeah, no, he did great. Uh, uh, I actually initially told him, "Can you essentially take the music from the original and modernize it?" And we were just kind of going back and forth about it. He's like, "I feel like you really need like an original score for this hmm. due to all your changes." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I can see that." So we came up with the compromise that if you listen the opening, it's the 
the opening to the film was the same opening score as the original and quickly mm. transitions into our main theme. I did sort of, yeah. I did notice that. And yeah, this is a really good score. And I, and how it's used of the film was quite effective. There's a few spots. Uh, I don't remember which spots they were. There is, I think it's a couple of times when you see like the zombies outside the house roaming around that that's kind of like, like since that's actually a score I put in there. Okay. I feel like we did a filler score and I put that together just like on my phone and it worked. Uh, you know, that's something I want to start composing more as well because I, I have a lot of fun with it. It's just inspiration is horrible for me. <laughs> well, I know that uh, you said earlier that uh, Night of the Living Dead hasn't been released yet, but you want to at some point. Like, uh, is there any plans at the moment to release the film? Like, uh, have there been any talks with any distributors or even uh, uh, just even? I, I'm, I'm looking to get it on uh, Amazon Prime yep. through, uh, I think it's called Prime Direct or something like that, or a video. So it's something, it's so indie filmmakers can upload their thing. And I think it, it'll go. Um, my problem and why I've been stuck on for the longest time is subtitles. They don't have mm. the money to get someone to pay for it. So I have to do it myself. And it just takes so long and I don't have time. That's really the only reason it has not been released yet. <laughs> but one of these, one of these I'm going to take a weekend. I'm just going to go through it painfully and just subtitle it so I can get it released. That's really the only reason why it has not been released yet. And Indeed. I have, but that's the thing about releasing is that it also costs money. And sometimes mm. a lot, especially if you want to get DVDs, that's, that's a lot of money. It mm. can be like over a couple thousand dollars. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But I look forward to when it does get released and then, you know, uh, and everyone who has been listening to my show and also listening to an interview can watch and judge it for themselves on how they feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't have Twitter. I guess it's called X now. Uh, but YouTube, uh, Facebook, however, if, when it finally gets released, if anyone wants to tell us what you think, go ahead or make a video on YouTube. <laughs> I, will, I will watch it and take in the criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I guess we could uh, wrap up our conversation on your film, Night of the Living Dead, 2021. I'll put the year in there so people could know which version I'm talking about if they yeah. want to look up more information on it. But thank you so much, Connor, for coming on the show and uh, talking about your film with me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for letting me come on and talk about it. This has been great. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation because actually doing all these bonus episodes I've been doing has been quite a lot of fun and also enlightening as well just to hear from indie filmmakers uh, their whole process on making films, but also just tackling Night of the Living Dead as well. There's a lot of versions out there. <laughs> and that's why I honestly think with my show, it's probably never ever going to end. <laughs> but know, but I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm hoping it doesn't. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah. actually, yes. but I was oh, also going to, that's all right. Uh, I was going to also say, since uh, you sort of talked about where people could find more of uh, the film uh, to sort of wrap up our interview, where can people find you on the internet? Like if they wanted to find out more of your work or the to see more of what uh, Falling Star Cinema has coming up. Yeah, so uh, Falling Star Cinema on YouTube. I think they can send a muzz on YouTube. Um, yep. But yeah, pretty much that's where I post everything. I don't, I'm not too social media savvy, mm -hmm. but hopefully someday we'll get someone to take care of that for me. Um, so I'm not too frequent, but I try, we're going to start releasing a lot more. Uh, Cause I'm, 
I've been away from filmmaking for so long. I want to start getting back into it heavily, doing more, even just the little projects. And so, yeah, uh, Falling Star Cinemas on YouTube. We have some fan films. We have trailers, different stuff that hopefully will get finished someday. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Connor, for coming on the show. And I'll, um, audience, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Well, there you go, everyone. That was my interview with Connor Noble, the writer, director, and co-star of the 2021 indie remake of Night of the Living Dead. I hope you all really enjoyed that one. And once again, thank you so much, Connor, for taking the time to sit down and talk to me about your film. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself as well. So yeah, that is the end for this third bonus episode of Beat vs. the Living Dead. I hope all you listeners had a great time listening to this one. And to wrap up the episode where you can find me on the internet this week, you can find me on all the social media accounts such as Twitter and Blue Sky under the name Bede Jemine. And you can also find all my work over at supermarcy.com and as well as all the podcasts that I co-host with Supermarcy on the website as well and as well on all podcast streaming services everywhere under the name The Super Network. It, these shows include The Super Podcast, Podcasters of Horror, The King Zone Podcast, The Ozploitcast, and as well as the Tubi Tuesdays Podcast. So definitely give those a listen. But in terms of social media for this podcast in particular, you can find all things Bead vs. The Living Dead, and as well as our spinoff show, Bead and Steve vs. Camp Crystal Lake, on all social media apps as well. You can find the show at BeadVSTLD on both Twitter and Blue Sky. You can also find Bead vs. the Living Dead under that name on Facebook. And also you can listen to this show and our spinoff on all podcast streaming services everywhere as well. And if you would like, definitely please leave a rating and review of the podcast on whatever podcast streaming service you're listening to this one on. And if you do, I will make sure to read the review out on a future episode of the show. So, yep, that is the end for this third bonus episode of Beat vs. the Living Dead, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed it. And keep a lookout on October 22nd, Australia time, for my fourth filmmaker-themed bonus episode, in which I have sat down and chatted to Roger Connors, the writer, director, and star of the 2020 indie remake of night of the living dead which goes by the title of rebirth so stay tuned for that everyone and i'll see you all then see everyone bye thank you for listening to this episode of feed versus the living dead be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice keep up on all updates of the show on the official twitter account at feed vstld the music for this show was brought to you by Denno. See you next time, everyone. Goodbye.